0: Okay. Three, two, one, vamos! Vamos! <laughs> You're getting uh, they, well, yeah, well, I suppose why not? Um, with your Spanish hello to you, uh, Mister John Lawrence Fagan. Topic of today on episode number four, I believe, of the Heart and Mind podcast is breaking free of the matrix. Oof! <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, yeah, yeah. So, um. I would like to dive a bit deeper into your past, into Mm -hmm. you mentioned in episode one Mm -hmm. to all those that have heard it um, or haven't. You worked nine to five at one point, which was a point long ago in your Mm -hmm. life now. Uh, One of your multiple lifetimes that I'm a bit more curious about, um, especially given that I think there's a good few people out there. I mean, the majority of people that we know work nine to five. The majority of the population works nine to five. And it seems the go-to thing. And I'd I'd just like to speak a bit about what it was like for both of us, sampling that Mm -hmm. in our lives. The social and economic hurdles that are either set up or just happen to exist to being able to break out of that and what that experience was like. So take me back to... Your first nine to five that you
0: can remember. So <clears throat> I guess the one that would be most applicable to the, the, the greater audience is not the, not the nine to five or nine to six or whatever it may be that I was working for the vast majority of my working life, which was when I was working within our family business. Because in essence, that really doesn't, you know, the, 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 I don't think that is majorly applicable to most people but what is massively applicable to a greater scale is when I did work in um, in a cubicle style um, and I did that for, for six months in the technology park here in Clannagilty <clears throat> and that really, really opened my eyes to the real world I guess. Uh, so what did that look like so <clears throat> started work at 9am and finished at 5 sounds great sounded great to me at the time because i was you know i, I was used to slightly longer hours and i thought it was great because i was going to be in somewhere warm and i could have clean clothes i know bearing in mind i was always in the motor trade or in and out of it or whatever so you were uh, <laughs> the best part you, you, you know you you were never dressed um cleanly and dry and warm every day and sitting in a nice office and this was great um but it was it was anything but great and you were getting i had no gone from getting paid getting um well i i suppose being used to being paid weekly to being paid monthly and the money was the money was you know low um so when you get that monthly and you're trying to you're you're trying to space that over the month it was so difficult because you you think you're you think you're loaded for like 2 days of the month and then all of a sudden everything gets either taken out or you spend it foolishly and then you're really the, like for 2 weeks the last 2 weeks of the month heading into when you're waiting to be paid again you're living tight like you know you're really really Watching what you're spending, hating life because you're you're just restricted. I don't. People say money can't buy happiness, and maybe it can't, and maybe that statement came from somebody who didn't have any money. I don't know, but the it most certainly gives you more choices, and it gives you more freedom, and it definitely helps you relax a little bit more in the terms of going into a shop. And when I went, when when I started working. Within getting paid monthly in in that style, that's when I really started looking at the price on the shelf of things instead of picking up. Not that I was blasé, but that I went, hang on a second. If I can save a few cent here or a few cent there, I was obviously going to do that. Now, bearing in mind as well, I was I was working in a the gym in the rugby club. I was working there from six to just before nine. And then I would go and I would work, you know, directly across the road, which was in the technology park. And that was nine until five. And then in the evening, then I, if there was something to be done on a car or something like that, I would go and do that. But it didn't actually work out that way in the evenings because I was so mentally drained from taking calls, phone calls all day from people giving out. Um, that and just quickly to explain, what was the nature of that job? So the nature of that job was... It was inbound calls, um, and I was working for, at the time it was called PRTB, which was the, what um, the fuck did the P stand for again? Anyway, it, was, it, it, it got changed to RTB, which was a Residential Tenancies Board, so you're dealing with tenants and landlord, uh, landlords, um, and all of the misery that's in between that so there's a legal requirement that all landlords have to register themselves on there and register a tenancy and all of that and the website (laughs) this was the thing like it was we were so busy because the website was so shit and you know the the website we had no control over uh, the design of the website it singly still to this day is the worst website I've ever been on in my life and it was so bad that in courses in college, that website was used as one of the worst badly designed websites and they wouldn't fix it. I just couldn't get over how shit this thing was. If you had a Mac, it wouldn't work. If it, if you're on mobile, it wouldn't work. God, it was, it was literally awful. So like 75% of the calls were irate landlords going, I'm trying to register a tenancy and it keeps kicking me out. And then your your script was you you had to defend the website, like you weren't allowed to admit the website was shit. And I I just couldn't get my head around this. Like it was a why don't they just fix it? Why why do we have to like outsourced company? Why do we have to defend a government website that's absolute dog shit? It was really bad. Anyway, whatever about that. Um, but that caused. It caused, obviously, discomfort for the user. It caused discomfort for us. Um, And it got to the stage in the end where I was, you know, people used to ring me, landlords, and they used to be going on about it and saying how bad it was and all that. And I used to agree with them because I said, I'm not defending this This thing's a piece of shit, like, you know. Um, But that really opened my eyes to what a nine-to-five was like.
1: And just give us a quick timeline how... Long. What? Firstly, what age were you
0: when you started that, there? That was my last ever. That was my last ever job of ever working for somebody else. I. It was in twenty sixteen, twenty sixteen. Did it for six months, and I would say to anyone, work in a call center for six months because you'll never ever get cross with it with with a, an operator that you that you speak to on a, on a call again because they're hating life, they're paid peanuts, and it really isn't their fault. <laughs> you know? And before this, just to go back to the money,
1: and money doesn't buy happiness, for me a big thing's always been what money represents. Obviously money seems to be vilified by a lot of people, mm. especially a lot of people that are bought in to the 9-5. to five, mm. And that one to think of themselves as having no other possibility, no alternative to Mm -hmm. the nine to five. Now, something that you say a lot in our personal conversations, you refer to money as freedom tokens.
0: Yeah. Which I think
1: is a fantastic analogy. Yeah. Because whilst money may not necessarily be able to buy happiness, money may as well just be correlated to freedom. Mm Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, who doesn't want more freedom? So was that something that only became aware to you after the call center, after getting set up on the monthly payments rather than the weekly? Or were you already kind of equating money with freedom prior to that?
0: No, it was that that really opened my eyes to... um, And I guess I I, I knew that, like, because... I'd obviously work. I was working in the mornings as well, and I knew I couldn't survive, and I just couldn't get my head around how people only survived in working in a place like I was. My monthly, what I can remember, it was one thousand four hundred a month. Um, take home like so, it was like three fifty a week, um, and it was you know I just wasn't I wasn't used to. I just wasn't used to living like that like you know so I needed I needed to bump up that you know that salary and 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 do other other things to get yeah life tokens right and um it just it there's something so final and so heavy about the predictability no this is this is me right and so I'm not generalizing I'm just speaking about me the predictability of going to the fucking scent of knowing what you're getting once a month. It's so, oh, it's debilitating for me to even think about it because I'm just, it it, it makes me feel sick knowing that, that that's it, you know? Um, And like I say, I'm not shitting on anybody else. And if somebody's happy with, they're just going to work and they're happy with what they're doing, that good for them. I'm just talking about me. Um, but I knew that I couldn't do that long term, and I couldn't be restricted because I have a huge problem with authority across the board, and the 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 fact that I was being controlled to only being given this amount of tokens in the month was really bothering me. So I knew that it wasn't it wasn't going to last long, um, and that ultimately, for me to have more freedom. I needed more tokens um and i needed to create my own tokens and even if i didn't create as uh, you know the, the the equivalent amount of money that i was getting per month it i felt more at ease because it was less pre-planned i know that sounds weird and and this like the struggle got really real when i did leave you know and and i went out on my own but I was I was way more at ease knowing that I that the future was unwritten, so to speak. You know what I mean?
1: And you were in control of your. I was in control of it. Yeah, for yeah, time. yeah. That's actually something I wanted to touch on. Also, the in my experience, I've done a few nine to fives of completely various natures as well. Mm. And once you settle into the routine at first, it's nearly comforting mm. because you get used to it. You get used to the the monthly thing. But after a while, there seems to be, I don't know, is it a reduction in baseline serotonin or something? But the, your whole life, in my experience, seems to become subdued in a way of emotion, in a way of optimism, in a way of looking forward to a brighter future. Because you, as you say, you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. You know what job you're going to be doing next week. You know the routine. You're getting up at the same time every day. Doing the same thing, getting paid the same amount. And that... Did you feel worse
0: during that job? Absolutely, yeah. It's... I felt that the longer it went on, the less of a voice I had for myself. Um, and I could see others around me and I could see patterns forming in different personality types and everybody was just used to give out all of the time and it was just it was the same thing over and over everybody like don't you wouldn't dare speak to anyone on a Monday within <laughs> within the office I don't get me wrong there were some really really nice people in there you know who I you know I have great uh, respect for and 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 great time for and you know really hard working people and that are in in their own right happy and i'm not again this i'm not here and, and you're of the same opinion we're not here to demonize anybody on how they want to live their life, just basically speaking from our own experience um but there was definitely people in there that the longer they spent there, the worse they were becoming um obviously internally because they were portraying themselves worse externally they were getting grumpier they were getting you know more irate easy um e- easier to get wound up and and so on and that has to be because of like, not being happy and okay in that element of their life maybe there was other elements that i wasn't privy to but um it def- i like this, this this conditioning of 9 to 5 cubicle set monthly payments, um, that cycle of the rat race definitely demoralises people, whether they're consciously aware of that or it's it's a sub- subconscious in the most part, I would say, and maybe when people realise it, they go, it's too late because their voice, however small it may have been at the start, they feel like they don't have a voice at all and they're insignificant to the point of oh, sure I can't try anything now it's too late, and that's that's a pretty sad thing and that that is what is that is what is keeping the cubicle style nine to five just ah oh, yeah yeah well I I need a job you know I have to do something you know and stopping people breaking free and going out and doing whatever they want to do because if everybody went out and did what they wanted to do and did their own thing there be there be no structure would there so obviously you know this was created to have structure to have a big workforce that w- would follow uh, would follow the 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 rules so to speak but if you look at it and look at it, the way it's evolving it was only a matter of time before the vast majority of people are going to get pissed off with getting paid peanuts so then if you look at like there's a lot of big pharma around Cork um, and a lot of tech and stuff like that to pays big money right and you get a decent wage from there but the shift work comes into it then and I mean this—that that is just the single worst thing you could do to the human body days and nights and then you know working days then going into nights and then going into this split kind of shift and then the body hasn't an absolute clue what is going on, and like I've worked with hundreds of people on shift work at this point, and it is absolutely it destroys them, really destroys them mentally, and then obviously physically. Um, it's not it's not good, and just because of the reward might be on the you know higher end of uh, of normal financially that doesn't mean to say that you're having a, you're living a good life not at all it just means that you'll put up with more bullshit like
1: something i also find fascinating and something i went through obviously yourself i think not so much because you left school early didn't you third or fourth year
0: uh yeah i was ejected in third year so
1: so which yeah, i I'm I'm about. reluctantly finished mm. secondary After fourth year, the whole pattern of how things were evolving became somewhat evident to me. Did you... Were you really... Like, was it begrudgingly that you finished school? I saw the pattern. Yeah. Just quickly to go through the pattern. I saw the setup for... Do your leaving cert. Get high points. Opt into a few courses that don't sound horrible. Mm. Do said courses. Pay some person who earns whatever 50 60k a year to teach you whatever course subject that is Mm. whilst they themselves have very little to no life experience and then get trapped in the nine to five Mm -hmm. and i saw how much that was being pushed i'm still not clear about the incentives that schools have from universities certainly there's relationships between secondary schools and, and certain universities i remember UCC and CIT reps coming in to speak to the class and, you know, talking about how great college was. And obviously to a lot of young people, the the college life is more so appealing than the college Mm. course. And I think there's a lot of people as well that say, even though college wasn't educationally beneficial, they would repeat it just for the experience of college life, Mm -hmm. for the drinking, the partying, the socializing. It They say it's a chapter of their life, which is all fine. Absolutely. If you're interested in that, let them have it. But I became aware of that pattern throughout fourth year, which was transition year for those of you in different countries. It's kind of a gap year Mm -hmm. where you sample everything again, like all of the subjects, but you also do modules. Like we had a filmmaking module. We had a few different weird modules. And we also got to sample some workplaces you know, work placement, go into some nine-to-five. And once subjected to the amount of... I'm reluctant to say programming, Mm. but subjected to the... Conditioning? Conditioning is probably Mm. a better word. Yeah. Of finish leaving cert. Some of you can go into apprenticeships, which I would see even more beneficial than, than doing colleges. But... Essentially finish your leaving cert, go into a college, pick a course that you don't hate, pay an excessive amount of money and go into debt for it Mm -hmm. in order to be funneled into a workplace, which inevitably you will end up unhappy in. I had a conversation with my mother at the point and she was of the opinion that I should finish. Um, This was. I was uh, obviously not 18 yet, so there was a certain level of autonomy that I was lacking, but I could see that it it wasn't a course for me. Mm -hmm. An apprenticeship certainly wasn't a course for me. I didn't know what I wanted to do, Mm. but I saw through the pattern. And I guess that's one of the strengths of how I think I'm, I'm very good at reverse engineering paths and consequences and, and different decisions. I can see the end result and I work back from that Mm -hmm. uh, given any, any various path that I'm on and that conditioning i think certainly is something now i'm not sure has it been set up deliberately obviously the industrial revolution led to the start of shift work even daytime shift work schools being set up you start at whatever eight or nine in the morning you have a small break you have a big break Mm um lunch break and you're certainly from a very young age even in primary school right conditioned you come in you work you break, you work, you go home. hmm And we're both certainly aware of how malleable a young mind is. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. In terms of development. And if you think about it, you spend eight years in primary school, six years in secondary. Mm-hmm. That's already 14 years of being conditioned to a routine, of essentially being conditioned to shift work. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that, and those are the most fundamental years of your life in terms of neurological development and pattern and habit-forming development, at the end of that, how many people are going to question it?
0: As in how many people will question
1: the... The system that they've been subjected to for 14 years. Yeah. Yeah, The well, comfort of going to college, continuing that, mm-hmm. and then going into a workplace,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think far outweighs the alternative of going, okay, everything everyone else is doing is maybe not the best option, but I have no idea what the best option was mm-hmm. because no one explained there was another option. Mm-hmm. No one goes, yeah, it's a good idea to leave after third year, which I think is a legal requirement for schooling in Ireland. Yeah. Um, and just go try out odd jobs and maybe become an entrepreneur, maybe start your own business, try
0: and fail and try and fail. But at least at that age, you still have the safety net. Mm. You you also, <clears throat> what you get from that is, if you have the right guidance, you have a monumental head start on, on your own life. Never mind trying to beat anyone else, right? But what I'm saying is that if and I'm speaking from my own path here, but also over, I was always embarrassed that I didn't have a leaving cert or I didn't go to college and I never went to a Debs or a grads or any of those things. I just don't know what, you know, I, I don't know what that experience is like, but I'm sure there's multiple different experiences that I've had that many people will, you know, ne- never have either. So fair enough, right? Um, And <clears throat> had I... I think I left school at the right time, but I think what happened after that when I like I was fifteen when I was when, when I when I left school. And I honestly believe hand on heart, if I had just the right guidance then, I would have been fucking, you know, away away for it. Um but when you're left to kind of to your own devices almost, then you're just as Silly little boy roaming around the place looking for attention, acceptance, all the rest of it, and you're going to play up to older people because, again, we're, you're you're looking you're looking for that guidance, and every everybody I hung around with was was older, um, and uh, but but they weren't they weren't role models, you know they were the, quite the opposite, um, so. If we look at that, and somebody who I've been looking at recently, um, so I'm going to give you a couple of different things here, right? So, someone I was looking at recently is Tom Hartley, who's the richest supercar dealer in the world. Uh, Old Tom Hartley, he's um, 60, whatever. He left school when he was 11, and he decided he was going to go selling cars, and the first thing he sold was a Range Rover back in the 70s, and he decided that the higher-end stuff was where he wanted to be because that's where the money was. And anyway, he went on, and he's become hugely successful. His sons, he he took his sons out of school at 11 as well, and they did whatever accreditation they needed to do to homeschool them. And both sons were, you know, they were millionaires before they were 20, because obviously they're dealing in high end, uh, high end cars, and but to hear so Tom Hartley Junior has his own place now, and to hear that man he has his own podcast and 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 all of that to hear him speak doesn't sound like a guy that left school when he was eleven, and but he had the right guidance, and so if you take Tom Hartley as an example of just having a small bit of guidance obviously from the the um, you know his dad and that coupled with yes they must have educated them <laughs> as well but i actually spoke to um someone in kentucky last night and they are homeschooling their kids from start to finish They're just not letting them into any form of schooling uh within the states Um because <clears throat> The brief synopsis I got was that the whole class doesn't progress until everybody in the class gets it. And that's pretty debilitating and demoralizing if you do get it and you're just like keep going over the same thing, same thing. And then obviously your interest levels are gone and you just don't want to do it or whatever. So um, this guy's wife was getting whatever these children are quite young but this guy's wife was getting whatever accreditation was needed to be able to homeschool their children and obviously they have to pass whatever and, and so on. Great. I think that's fantastic because you can, you can, I would say, you could probably 5x the speed that you could educate one individual if you're one-to-one.
1: And not only the speed, but the topics. If you think about what do you actually learn, what are the subjects that are taught? And what is taught is often small picture thinking Mm. and i think more so what is detrimental in how it's set up in this country and from what i gather various other countries also is that as you get funneled down through those 14 even if we talk up to the legal requirement um, 11 years you are conditioned to think small Mm. you're The more you're conditioned towards the path of college and nine to five, the less your mind is going to... If you think of a young kid, how amazed are they by everything? They think everything's possible. You can tell them you're going to be an astronaut. They're going to believe they're going to be an astronaut. Mm -hmm. And I think what the whole system does is it puts blinders on you, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It teaches you not to think big. Mm. It teaches you that... It creates limitations. Exactly within yeah. your own mind.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Until by the end of it, you anything alternative to the nine to five, mm-hmm. or to a college degree, or to menial or or simple work, is unimaginable mm-hmm. to you. And not only that, but the the things that you get taught are not. I believe they're directly, perhaps not directly contrary, but at least, they seem to intentionally stay away. From teaching things that allow you to develop your mind,
0: that's one thing that, like, if you look at if you if you look at us on personality traits, and you look at us on how we view the world, right? There's so much that we're black and white on, but then if you look at what we consume. We're very similar in what we consume in audio, and and you know in 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 book format, in pop podcast, or uh, and views that we would have on what we want to learn about. Which is, which is, I wonder what part of this such similarity in that, and is it, and if you looked at it and you broke it down, you go, okay, well they're so different, but why are they why are they so similar in that regard, and it must be because we've seen we've we can see that you can break through the glass ceiling and that there is much more i <clears throat> so there's two analogies i give you right so i don't know if you ever heard this analogy of the the baby elephant and the the, the baby elephant is you know in, in a circus and he's he's got a rope around him so he doesn't run away and there's a stake and it's you, you've heard this one yeah okay yeah, so for the people great. that yeah, for the people that haven't, right? So <clears throat> the stake is nailed into the ground and the baby elephant is pulling at it and he's trying to move and he knows he can't move. And as the elephant grows up into 40, 50, or 100 tons or whatever an elephant weighs, and the rope is around his neck and he's, the stake is into the ground so he doesn't go anywhere, he doesn't try to pull at the stake because he knows that it, he's all his life he's always pulled at it, so it's pointless, he's not going anywhere. When in actual fact, if he tried, he just ripped the stake out of the ground. And that's what's happening to people when you go to the vast majority of people that are working for someone else right now, and they're going to absolutely loathe life. That's one thing. I the, the motor trade is just full of people that are absolutely hating life. Every aspect of it that I was involved in, everybody's just sick of it. It's everything's misery. It's it's so toxic. Um. And then once you're in that, you find um, you, there's actually um, dopamine gets released from uh, conversing or buying into other people that are miserable as well. So if we're both bouncing off each other with misery we're we are we are actually um getting a, a minuscule dopamine hit from that. It's like an addiction. So it's like an addiction. So what's gonna happen is you're going to go, oh I can talk to John about misery, about how miserable I am today, and you can talk to me about how miserable you are. And we we form this we form this uh this habit that's actually giving us a reward feedback loop in our brain to look for more people like us that are more miserable—it's really frightening. Like when you look at it from a neurological standpoint, um, and and then so if you look at if this is another thing—if you look at uh, Ireland and you look at the DNA traits that we that are embedded in our in our in, in our gene coding, right? So you had eight hundred years of Irish people being repressed. And they weren't allowed to, you know, they weren't allowed to have their own land or they were, you know, they were under control. Then you look at the country itself and it's only 123 years old, which isn't old at all for a country. And the people in it, that, that, that gene profile that's there, we're still conditioned within our minds to be repressed. So that's why if you speak to a lot of Irish people about you know, the government or, you know, rules and and all of this, everybody gives out, like, stink about it, but no one does anything about it.
1: Do you think that's unique to Ireland, though? Like, that's one thing I'd push back
0: on. If you look at a country like Germany,
1: Yeah. which was on the flip side, Mm. there is... You've probably... Now,
0: to give context to people on this, like, you're German. I'm German,
1: although I cannot speak extensively on the topic because I left the country before I turned six.
0: Yeah. And I'm... But this is where you're coming from with the German thing. This is
1: where I'm coming from. Yeah. Well, even you can look at any mainland European country, really. Look at the Germans. They Mm -hmm. love their rules. Rule-breaking and law-breaking is, to the majority of the population, something that's even more far removed than from Irish people. And I think those oppressive genes, while, yes, at first glance, it may have fostered oppression, there's also an incredible rebellious... Streak that I think arose as a result of that Mm. and I would certainly argue that if you took the average Irish person the average German person the Germans would be much more rule abiding and less Mm. rebellious than the Irish Mm. as a result of the Irish having been oppressed
0: yeah however I would counter that right and I would say Germans obey rules but their rules are pragmatic and make sense <laughs> more than not more not not I, I would say more than some Irish rules make sense. No, I, like Germany's can't speak to it. But I think
1: like it, extensive okay, bureaucracy. So yeah, but let let's look you at You made it. this experience when you were continuing to Dubai, no? You had the German bureaucracy experience in the airport.
0: So I, I recall something. I, I did, yeah, I did. And but the one thing was, right? So if you look at that and you take that apart she had a set of principles this individual that wouldn't let me on that plane right she had a set of principles and no way was she deferring from her principles and what she stood for whether it be right right or wrong because it was her decision whether I got on that plane or not just to give context to the listeners it was to do with uh, confusion around PCR certs and recovery certs and all this rubbish to do with fucking COVID right That's, and yeah. <laughs> right so I was arguing the toss on one thing. She was saying that's not the rules here in uh, in in Germany and uh, and all of that. So anyway, however, right, it it was no skin off her nose. It wasn't going to cost her anything if I got I had the tickets. I was all I had to do was like walk onto the plane from where she was, but she was still invested into no, uh, that that's not the rules. Whereas the whole thing in Ireland, I think, is there's there's rules that we don't like. We have rules. We don't stick to them, but with the greater rules from the likes of the government and the the control that's coming from the top, even though we micro don't stick to the rules, right? Because no one no one is structured as. As much as the Germans will say, right? But when it comes to the, the 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 top side of things, no one questions it. Whereas if you look at the French, they've spent their entire life revolting. So the minute there's a problem in France, they're out on the streets because they're wired that way to go. Fuck you! I'm not listening. I'm not. We're not dealing with that. We're going out on it, and they rebel because that's what they've done all their life. So we give out and we mouth. And that's why people talk so much shit in this country as well, uh, behind people's backs. Because they don't like confrontation when it comes to the when it comes to a head. Whereas if you're looking at that lady in Germany, like, whether it be right or wrong, or whatever, who whoever was right or wrong in that situation, um, she had a fucking set of she she had a narrative and that was that. And as much as I disagree with it at the time, fair play to her for fucking sticking to her guns like.
1: Blindly following orders.
0: Blindly following orders. I think that Germany would have learned from that. But you, but you would have thought so. However, though, on a on a, there's two ways of looking at that. Or going, going. Yeah, but is she is she being controlled or is she absolutely fucking true to her word where she believes something because it was like she could have quite easily told me to get on there and and, and not got into trouble. So does that mean on a on an individual level? That she's so true to herself and her word that she will let herself down if she doesn't follow not the rules, but her own directive to herself. So that's a much deeper psychological rooting than, you know, than than the top level um the top level rule. But I definitely think that look, you know, I'm I'm generalizing, and and that's a hypothesis that I have about.
1: We have to generalize yeah. for the sake of
0: the yeah. conversation. Um, about repression and, and all of that. But I would definitely say that like it does have a lot to do with people chatting shit behind people's backs and not actually addressing the key thing because we've never done that because we knew we'd either get shot or fucking our house to get taken off us or they'd eat all our potatoes or whatever the fuck it was, right? So, you know, that's. Um, or we just jump on a boat if we didn't agree with it and go, right, I'm going to New York. <laughs>
1: So uh, a thought experiment that I've conducted a few times is just going back to the the schooling aspect of it and what is actually taught. And again, to a certain point, you have to question at least the life experience of the people who are in charge of setting the curriculum, because we educate ourselves Mm -hmm. nearly every day. We listen to podcasts extensively, as I've mentioned. And I think there's a few fundamental works that certainly can induce a paradigm shift at a young age in terms of what is possible in life, Mm -hmm. what you can achieve, and certain catalysts that can... Literature catalysts, as well as perhaps learning off of other people in real life, that can change the outlook and the path of your whole life.
2: Mm.
1: And knowing... What we know now, having listened to everything we've listened to and being the people we are now. If we were, let's operate under the context of there has to be an educational system. It has to be mandatory. Let's ignore the homeschooling uh, aspect of it for now. Let's say even you break it down to 11 years, which Mm -hmm. is the current mandatory period that Mm -hmm. you need to be in education for. What would the curriculum mm. that the two of us would set oh, look like? Yeah. Because we I think have a basis now mm. on how to think big,
2: mm.
1: how to explore new ideas, mm. how to conceive new ideas.
0: Um, and 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 the importance of all the elements that are involved in being able to reach that point.
1: Exactly, mm. both through obtaining mm. knowledge yourself and perhaps learning off mentors, so just give me I'm curious from your side, give me a quick breakdown a of what one Great your
0: question that's a great curriculum. really great question like um, and before I go there, there's one thing I just want to touch on to do with schools right, so both Caleb and Evan went to the Grail school in Clannacilty and myself and Yvonne both said that. At a young age that wouldn't it be great that they were bilingual. Albeit Irish just isn't used, even though it's a mandatory fucking core subject that you have to take and you'll never use again, which is a shame. But anyway, um, not that I want to keep the language alive, but I think it's just a complete waste of someone's fucking time that, you know, anyway. Um, so anyway, went to the girls' School. So they were all day, every day. Everything was communicated in Irish and all of that. And the one thing I will say, right, is that school still to this day sticks out in my mind of having the perfect balance, right, of modern thinking, uh, relevant teachers without going too far progressive left, the way things are gone mad now, right? it was a beautiful symbiosis of old school versus the nuances that were needed for education, where the teacher was actually respected and was young and, you know, all of those things. And I, <clears throat> I think that that was such a good platform for them going forward. And I can, the one thing that you, you, you spoke about there was, um, you know, about, about conditioning and, and all the rest of it. And, Always, when the sixth class were leaving the last couple of years, anyway, Caleb and Devon, the now principal, uh, Podrick, would always give a would always give a speech, and he's, I, I would say he's younger than me if he's not. We're the same age, similar, but a real thinking guy, lovely guy. First time for him, and he always said to the kids the the that the one saying that they need to take with them through life was nothing is impossible but thinking makes it so. And it's just so simple. And whether that lands and resonates with the children or not, at that age, I don't know, but it fucking resonated with me. And it actually always made me emotional when I heard it. Like, it twice when I heard it, 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 it put a lump in my throat because what a great message to send children going forward. And what a great job they had done. Um, Whatever about, their curriculum that they have guided from the top, but the way that that individual place was managed and everything is done from leadership We're and talking
1: that, more about the structure than the, the
0: structure. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And I'll get to, I'll get to your question now. Um, but that, that, that does boil down to relevance of who's, of who's telling you what, and there's huge buy-in on that. So, okay, to move on from that and to go to your question, um, what would it look like? So, one of the there's major elements major major elements that aren't even looked at in secondary school. They most certainly weren't looked at when I was there and they're definitely looked at now when both Caleb and Evan are in secondary school. Having an actual module on how to communicate with another individual. Right? Communication skills. Like if you can if you can communicate and understand people um And understand it's obviously different personality types and and all of that. And how how does one communicate uh, yourself outward? But how do you listen to the communication of others? I mean, that's a huge, huge thing that's massively overlooked. So that on some format would be be one. Financial education, not business studies. Like how to do a fucking spreadsheet.
1: Fuck off. I remember going through that. Yeah. It, number of years out. but like it's you know even in in my own experience having set up my own businesses including limited company having taken over the management of both of your gyms mm. I think the introduction the first day of business studies mm. where you learned this is a private limited company this mm. is what it means to be self employed that was the amount of that module that was relevant mm. And the latter two years were a waste. Yeah. None of it is applicable. It teaches you again, it funnels you go be an economist, go be a an accountant, go do this. In terms of financial independence or how to set yourself up for it, mm-hmm. it seems to intentionally avoid getting the you- most important pieces of information
0: getting money to work for you exactly yeah like robert kiyosaki uh, rich dad poor dad um the the author of, of that book um like that man is you know worth hundreds of millions if not billions at this stage and he um i won't go into the depth of his story but you know i'm sure many people have list- listened to it and if you haven't check him out but getting money to work for him and he anything that he wants to do, he borrows the money because you don't pay tax on debt, and it's like we're we're, we're taught to uh, try and try and save, try and save your money and put it in a bank, you know, and you get like you know ten cents for ten years on a on hundred grand or something terrible. The
1: simple concept of compound interest mm. versus everyone. How many people have pensions? All of these 95 people, Mm. everyone who's bought into the system has pensions Mm. and they do not realize that they can do what a pension does more effectively than the pension itself with very little to no work and very little to no education on the subject. Mm -hmm. It takes one book and you can invest with better returns than any pension the government offers you. Because ultimately that's what the government are doing. Mm. They're just... They're gambling away your money for you instead of you having control over it. You can do the exact same thing. Something as simple as that. Mm. Of course, not taught in schools.
0: Mm. So But like even the even the even the the basis of how does money work? And what is it? You know, everybody everybody's looking for how can I get 50 euros? What can I do to get 50 euros? and like that's the complete wrong way of looking at it. It's like okay, what can I what can I do that's going to have value to someone? Forget about the fucking figure. But what am I going to do for John or somebody else in multiples that they would want? And then okay, well what's the what would what would that be? what would that be a fair exchange for? And the money comes afterwards. It's not, you know, I always, these young fellas that would say, um, <clears throat> you know, about jobs and, you know, they're going to work here and there and it's just like, oh, he's getting this. But that's cool when you're a kid because you're not used to getting money and stuff like that. But it's, it really is like that, that that kind of narrative of, oh, I finally get my own money and like, I can, I can now do things and I can buy things and it's, they've been released almost into it's that first kind of form of adulthood where you get to be independent as it were, and you get to buy things that you want to buy. And, you know, you're, you're not being controlled anymore. And you can see the elation that comes from, because I had it like when I had my own money, it was just like, I'm not being controlled anymore. Not that I was being controlled by my parents, but I had, I had more options because I had, I had a wage, you know, coming in and, and that then sets up that, that feedback loop to go, I must chase the wage. And then obviously the more things you buy, you must chase the bigger wage. And then you get in debt and then you have to fucking pay that. And then, and then, the, and then the cycle starts and then the hamster speeds up in the wheel.
1: And the educational system, the timing of it as well, it takes away from you the most valuable years where you can experiment, mm-hmm. where you perhaps still are living at home. You have that financial fallback. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you go to college... You're either taking on a weekend job to pay for your accommodation. Let's not even get into the topic of accommodation at the moment in this Mm -hmm. country. But your parents might even be paying for your accommodation in your college course and you're going through college. And after that, you're expected to get a job and move out. At that point, what latitude do you have left Mm. to experiment financially with ideas, with um, entrepreneurial endeavors? None. The time to do it is, I think, the right timing would be at fifteen, sixteen. Throw out, start a landscaping business.
0: I always said it about me. I had an entrepreneurial beginning. I just chose to wrong fucking product because it was illegal, yeah, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. But like, even if, if you look, so so, does that right? And there's 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 that there's some people are born with, you know, being have more in, have more entrepreneurial tendencies than somebody else right because obviously somebody that doesn't have entrepreneurial tendencies is going to be more uh consciously aware of you know they're going to be anxious around having to have the workforce resting on their shoulders so to speak right um so that's one thing but if you look at and this is so i'm looking at like Caleb in this one right and he was asked from the age of five what do you want to be when you grow up I want to be a professional rugby player. And to your point earlier, like there's no limitations. So it's like, yeah, I want to be a professional rugby player or I want to be a milkman or a fireman. They're all the same because they're all, well, well, why not? And as time progressed, when he was eight or nine, I won't say who it was, but he was asked by an individual what you want to be when you grow up. And he was a... I'm going to be a professor I'm going to be a professional rugby player. Not I want to be, uh, and they laughed and they said, "Dream on." And he got really upset and he said it to me. And he goes, "Why doesn't X believe that I'm going to be a professional rugby player? Why do- why don't they think I'm going to do that? You know, and it, because it was just i'd i'd ingrained in his mind like that. Yeah, if you if that's what you want to do, let's do it. Let's go for it. um <clears throat> and uh, so I had to explain obviously you know why people would think like that and as people have gone on and it's still what you want to be when you grow up I want to be a professional rugby player and he's like nearly 17 and you know uh, as you quite rightly pointed out last year you and I was on about how he got you know picked for Munster and, and so on and you said um but yeah, but isn't that just the, like from what you've told me, isn't that just a natural trajectory of just the way his career or his rugby career was going anyway? And in actual practical terms, and you look at it and you look at it on paper, you were right. Like you're just going, yeah, but like that's the way it was going anyway. I was looking at the end point of where he wanted to be. and Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was and his, everything had yeah. everything so far that you knew about that journey had married up with that. So why wouldn't he have? Why wouldn't have that have happened? And <clears throat> that was such that was such I always refer back that it referred to that Uh, back to people because it was just it was you just in your absolute brilliance of practicality thinking process that yeah well like well he he said he was going to be one so like okay yeah great you know and and that detachment from emotion as well which is great Um, and 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 it, it was really good but so people would say and to the point i'm getting to with this story is people say oh but you'll need something to fall back on Right, so what are you going to do in college? Well, he hasn't even thought about that, and like, i if if it means going if going to college means helping him with his rugby career, then he'll go to college and do fucking arts or something like that or whatever he wants to do. I don't give a shit what he wants to do, right? But the goal is, I'm going to be a professional rugby player. And the fall back thing, there's no falling back falling back is just admitting that you're not going to get there like having a plan b fuck the plan b like have your plan go for that because why because you'll be you're 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 using bandwidths to think about the b going oh yeah but i need to have that teed up just in case well if you're teeing it up you might as well just fucking go there and forget about it
1: And if you can go a step further burn your bridges
0: yeah tony robbins burn the boats yeah yeah burn the boats if you want to take the island burn the boats because you've no choice there was a great thing I was referring to this the other day to um again, I won't say who, but um I sent them I told them they were enabling someone to carry on a certain way in life and now disabling them to be you know the person they needed to be and I sent them a picture of a child in the swimming pool with armbands on, and then I sent them a picture of Michael Phelps, and I said. One day, years ago, somebody took Michael Phelps's armbands off, and he had to swim for himself. And Michael Phelps, no one's in the water with him, like he did it himself. And if you look at that, and you and you burn the boats, and you pop the armbands, or you take them off, it's like okay, you got to do it now, and you got to go for it. Like Michael Phelps wasn't swimming, thinking about. If this doesn't work out or I don't hit the time, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down to I'm gonna go down to the local fucking pharmaceutical and you know get a hundred grand a year and get in in the the next shift line, you know. Um, no, he just doubled down on what he fucking believed on and he said he was gonna do because like well, well yeah he he did it and you know he's he's the best in the world at at, at his thing and. But the, the thing that he, that, he, that he is and the thing that we all are is we're all human beings. There is no difference whatsoever in, in us. We all have um, two arms, two legs, you know, heads, eyes, all of this. But we're born with the limitations that sit within between our two ears. So like whatever it is, six inches across and whatever it is, three to four inches high headspace can completely destroy you or make you Elon Musk. It's amazing, isn't it amazing though, the, the way that, that like just actual belief systems from an early age and and, and creating new gene pathways um, can just unlock so much just because there isn't a limitation there.
1: And I think environment plays such a such an important part in that. A- absolutely. Just to, it's funny you mentioned Elon Musk, I had to think of this story back in, when I was in secondary school doing business studies, I think this was third year, and we were tasked with a, an assignment, we had to write a case study on a successful person, okay, now I chose, this was back, I think, 2000, maybe thirteen, fourteen. Elon Musk was not a household name, hmm He had just taken over Tesla, Mm. perhaps this was earlier, perhaps nine or ten, but he had just taken over Tesla, started his SpaceX. Now we're like eight, seven, eight years out from the first rocket launch. This Mm. was all conceptual. And he was mainly known as the founder, one of the co-founders of PayPal. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how he crossed my radar at first, but I chose to do my case study on him. Seemed like a cool guy. Found, founder of PayPal, shooting rockets into space and making electric cars. Out of at that time, the Tesla was based on a Lotus Elise still. Mm. And I submitted my case study to the business studies teacher. Mm. Now, the business studies teacher mm. did not know who Elon Musk was. But her best financial role model, who she looked up to, was Kim Kardashian.
0: Offered oh, for the love a sweet book.
1: So, just going back to that point of environment, mm. if, even perhaps if you did have the right curriculum, which wasn't in place, mm. if the people that you are meant to look up to and meant to learn from love watching Keeping Up With The Kardashians but don't know who Elon Musk is, how much chance... Does someone without the other environmental factors have to break out of that? And I think that is an incredible shame on a macro scale. Yeah. All of the people like that around the world mm. that are in charge for of shaping mm.
2: the,
0: the future, coming mm.
1: generations in the future, and the amount of wasted potential that there is just through well, both through the system, mm. the framework. And the curriculum that is not in place.
0: So there's there's a couple of things I want to touch on there, right? Uh one is guidance, and I'm gonna come back to the guidance, okay? Um and I'm going to start with Kim Kardashian versus Elon Musk, okay? So <clears throat> and I'm gonna have a and against on Kim Kardashian, and I'm going to
1: By all means I accept that there's a big four, yeah. especially financially.
0: So, no. She hasn't a fucking clue what she's doing, right? Or didn't at least at the start. It was her mother. Her mother is one of the best businesswomen in the world. She would make if she was put in a desert, um, she would come out with a fucking bunch of making a bunch of money or something. She's a ninja at her craft of business and has uh, monetized everything in her fucking life, right? <laughs> to the detriment of whatever. But so she's a ninja businesswoman. But that's not to say that's the right way to behave, or that that's someone that you look up to. No, it's someone that you would. It was. It would be someone that you would study and go. That woman has a monumental amount of drive. Okay, which is admirable. But Kim Kardashian, let's let's face it, got famous for releasing a sex tape with a football player, American football player, and if that's how. If, if if that if that's to be at the forefront of someone that the fucking world should look up to, that's a pretty poor joke. <laughs> um, versus Elon Musk, who is yeah one of the founders of PayPal. Um, look at him! I mean, like look at him: Tesla, SpaceX, ChatGPT. Now, which is many people won't have heard of ChatGPT, but they will. They will do over the coming months. Um, this guy is just on another level and the amount of podcasts that you see that man on sharing his knowledge and experience and he doesn't have any airs or graces about himself or think he's better than anyone else he'll quite happily sit down with i've seen him with so many different guys on podcasts and he was just to like, get where the fuck does he find the time for this but like he he's the bigger he gets the the more relatable he gets to the general person because he's so normal um but abnormal at the same time in in his in his brilliance um and that's a role model for sure absolutely for sure because he's coming from a place of uh purity it, there's no negative thing to be said about him um and I think, yes, absolutely, and that's a shame that, that, you know, you're going there, bright mind, going, I actually think this guy's really, really good. And then you're going, why don't you pick one of the Kardashians and go quick, because, you know, if you wanted to pick Bruce, then you better go quick, (laughs) right? So, well, no, fuck it. Like, it's, you you know, because... Realistically, there's, there's 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 so many more valuable things than people can buy into than reality. What we see on reality TV, like just recently, even in Dubai, there's some uh, ex Love Island degenerate um, went out there and now is in prison because she was snorting coke out there. There's a set of rules in the Middle East. And rules are rules, and they're not like the rules here where they get broken and you think just because you have a blue tick next to your name that you are above the rules. No. That's why, you know, that's why there's order there, because there's massive consequence. Anyway, so reality TV is not at the forefront of what I think people should be following um, for guidance anyway, that's for sure. Okay, speaking of guidance, um, speaking of guidance, and where did I want to go with this now? Okay. Okay. This is it I've often said, and I've seen it now as I'm watching uh these teens play rugby, especially in the monster setup, and you see these kids that are just absolutely gifted hand eye coordination um and no matter what sport you put them out, I'd say they'd just be brilliant and the the guy's in monster gave us the percentage rate that actually make it all the way to the end. And it's so low. It's so, so low. And it isn't, uh, a big part of that isn't because monster are very picky. It's because of external factors. Because you've got these 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds, hugely impressionable, and living in a massive social society, that literally fuck it all away because of drink or drugs or, you know, socialising or whatever. And not always the most amazing gifted one is on the Irish team. I've said it, like, I can think of countless people, um, even locally, uh, a guy that everyone knows that, like, he was one of the best rugby players that ever came out of Clan of Kilty and just never... Drinking drugs took over, and he never never went anywhere with it, but would have played for Ireland had he uh, had he stayed on track and God knows a lot of people tried to guide him, but it just didn't work. but I've always said probably the best Irish rugby players are probably sitting at bar counters watching the Irish rugby team play because they lack the guidance and they lack the the awareness and even or even the yeah yeah, dream on scenario yeah fall back all of these conditioning things that they you know that 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 they were subconsciously um unaware of that were around them and people constantly putting in these affirmations that like oh yeah that's for the elite of the elite but like i mean as i said to calum when he was 15 i said somewhere right now there's a 15-year-old who's the next captain of the Irish rugby team. That's not me. That's that's fact. There is a child somewhere right now who is the next captain of the Irish rugby team. And the difference is he's going to have a support network with him. He's going to have to want it himself. I don't push Caelan with anything. I don't push Evan with anything. If they want to do something, I'm on board with it and I'll do the best I can for whatever guidance I can bring. But I'm, I i don't push. So the person has to want to do that. And then they, the people around them have to be the right people for guidance and just that nudge in the right direction. And- you know, or this is how you conduct yourself here. And, this, you know, all the rest of it, all the things that need to be taught, how to conduct yourself in, in scenarios, what's the, you know, social cues, all of these things. They're just not they're just not taught. And it's it's such a shame that everything has evolved. So here we are speaking to people that potentially are anywhere in the world right now. You know, we've all this technology around us um between phones and 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 all of this and and that's all changing so quickly um the likes of like i said chat gpt an amazing piece of ai software unreal and there we go into the classroom and it's still exactly the same the same narrative the same thing has been taught and it never it never evolved and look if you're a teacher watching this and you're passionate about your 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 um your job, then, you know, good for you. And look, I'm sorry if 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 I'm coming across as anti-establishment or anything like that. This is my opinion, and and uh, and that's that. And look, every you know, everyone is no one's going to fully agree with me all of the time. But these are based on my real life assumptions and 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 things that uh, I've seen work and not work. Um, but one of the things that I've definitely seen with kids now as well is. The, with the technology that's out there is the ability for young people to communicate eye to eye with someone is just, it's atrocious. It's really bad. Um, and that's down to head stuck in the phone or, you know, being in someone's person and them leaving you and then texting you what they wanted to talk to you about. It's crazy. And that needs to change as well. There needs to be work done around that as well.
1: Now you touched briefly on Dubai. Mm. You have somewhere you're going?
0: I have. Um, So as the last couple of years have unfolded and the more rabbit holes I've gone down on, whether it be conspiracy stuff that I've explored, just to have my own, give my own interpretation on it. uh, And, you know, I've never pushed that on anyone. But like, you know, the more I'm looking and the more I see the Western world unfold it's it's alarming how crazy the western world has gone and how it's it's actually falling apart in my opinion it's totally fucking falling apart um you know there's the identity politics now that are destroying this de- destroying communities destroying uh, families it, it it's just devastating and then the financial situation is terrible as well so In the Middle East, a lot of people don't like it and that's fine. You know, I'm not not arranging a bus trip for everyone to go there. I'm just going, I'm saying for myself. Um, In the Middle East, if you want to create something um, and you want to work hard and you don't want the government and a social system to have its hand in in your pocket for your hard work, um, well, that's the place to be. Uh, Dubai has a, a VAT rate of 5% and it has 0% uh, on income tax. Um, there was talks of of, of a, a, a high corporate, t- not high as in a high percentage, but a um, high turnover corporate tax that they may be introducing, but it isn't. So for the best part, anyone that works there doesn't get taxed. Uh, and anyone that operates a um, on an online capacity... Where Once they're a resident, which is very easy to do, um, they don't get taxed. And it's fantastic because, as I went to earlier as well, there's a set of rules there and you abide by them. And once you abide by them, then things are good.
1: So just to stop you there for one second, I'm sure a lot of people are thinking tax evasion. Now, Mm -hmm. let's make it clear it's not tax evasion. It's Mm -hmm. Mm legal. These are another country's laws. Mm -hmm. But... To What would you say to anyone who thinks taxes are there for a good purpose? The government is spending my money fantastically mm-hmm. and my wealth should be shared with those off um, le-
0: less well off. So the number one thing that I normally get from, from people when I start talking about it is there's no tax. But how does that work? Where does the money come from to keep the country going? All right. Okay. So... Fair. OK, that, that that's a fair point because you, you know, you, you, you don't know any different. So. In this country and in, you know, most other countries that have um, social systems um, that require, uh, obviously, somebody to prop it up, uh, i.e. the person going out and working, um, then somebody must somebody must pay for that in the likes of Dubai. There is no social system. There is no social welfare. There is no benefits. There is no if you're out of work uh, signing on. It's it's is it capitalism? Yes, it is 100% capitalism, uh, and I like it. <laughs> so uh, if you don't like it and you know you're anti-capitalism and you're liberal, then go somewhere else. Fine, but for me. I like it because you get to work and if you work really hard, you get to keep all your money. Is it tax evasion? No, it is. You're paying 5% uh, value-added tax to the Dubai government and they're more than fucking happy with that, right? And how are they more than happy with that? Because it's a it's a pleasurable place to set up a business. You're going to spend money there. So the economy there is going to be fruitful. There's literally buildings Flying up all over the place, property is uh in high demand there um and with the war in the west at the moment, the last time I was there the place is full of normal Russian people because a lot of their if they're of higher net worth and they have money in the likes of the u k it's getting frozen and taken from them and they're going, well, fuck this, that's, that. you know, that's my money. And they're, there's nothing, they're not Putin. And they're not, they're just normal people that have worked hard in Russia. And why should they, why should they be dragged into it? Um, so they're out there and they've brought their money with them. And, you know, they're, 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 everyone is doing their thing. And you get, the the beauty is if you, the harder you work, the, the, the more rewarded you'll be. Um, so, Chris, uh, my good friend with many years, has lived in Dubai now for a few years and um, runs his uh, companies out of there um, for said reasons. And um, I have teamed up with him on, on one of his businesses to uh, to get on board with something that he's been trying to, trying to get me to do with years, which is something that is more scalable than uh using my hands working on a car or opening more gyms and 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 all of that um and that is again the humility of going okay like yeah it's like you know when you said no no you know we need to do this and me accepting that maybe my way wasn't the right way or there's better ways and you know we can optimize more ways of 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 making a better future. I love the sun anyway. Um I don't obviously don't drink anymore. Dubai um and 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 you know all the emirates and you know, I mean, you know drinking's prohibited, but there are places in Dubai where you you can get drink, but you, the beauty is there that you don't see people falling around the place drunk. It just doesn't happen. And I don't, I don't like seeing that. I just don't like being around it. Um so f- for me Dubai offers me um everything that i'm looking for right now in my life um which is uh safety you, you know you're you're dead safe whether you're a man or a woman or a child and you're walking around a place no one's gonna come up and pickpocket you there's no one gonna it, it's just safe it's really really safe whether it's bright or dark um and it gives me the opportunity to uh, really try and push myself further, um, get rewarded for it. And if we're talking about environmental and glass ceilings and glass roofs, nobody in the difference is if you look at the likes of Marbella, right? And you look at the likes of Dubai and you look at the people driving around in the cars in, in Marbella, and I was always just there looking, geez, you know they must have loads of money. I wonder what they do. But everybody's trying to one up everybody else no i'm talking this probably 10 years ago since i was there more um and it's more showing off and it's more pretentious but in dubai there's none of that it's just like yeah i'm driving a g-wagon and i have a ferrari and i have this and i have that and no one's going yeah like i have this and i have that because the person beside you has more money probably so no one blows shit about it they just get on with it which is which is nice as well um so it's less pretentious um and uh It's got the sunshine, and I just like it. I there's something there's something I like as well about the the Arab culture and and Islam itself, because and we're not going to get into religion today. However, right? But I just do want to touch on it. Like like they take it so seriously that it's hugely admirable. Now, whether one believes, uh, you know, in how whatever one's belief system is around religion. If one is going to believe in something, then surely you must be all in. And from what I see, these people are all in, and they're fully they're full believers in 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 their religion, and that has to be admirable. You have to look at that and go, do you know? I mightn't agree with it or understand it even at that, but like it is, it is hugely admirable that someone would devote all of their belief system to a higher power and go all in and stick to the rules of it obviously there's a subset that don't and that's in everything but, but the vast majority do I think it's 1 billion people in the world are are, um, are Muslim I think uh, and they get such a bad rep all, all over the world but I mean the, the vast majority of them are uh, amazing people
1: and Fundamentally the core beliefs are good principles.
0: Well, they are. And I mean, the core beliefs in every religion is, is the, the core beliefs are all good. And the translation may be different and there may be slightly different twists and turns in it. And then obviously you've got radicalization on all different sides of religion. And, and then obviously that means that, you know, when you're religious, that you're you're in a group of people and that becomes territorial. And then, you know, one bunch of people might say well that's my territory and the other bunch of people go no that's my territory and then it becomes oh religion is the root of all evil then no it's not it's just you know religion gets branded into uh, bunches of people in territory fighting over like what one thought was theirs but it's got nothing to do with a higher power and that's what people need to 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 realize as well
1: now just before we wrap up going back to the environmental factor as well something I, i don't think you touched on not only is the environment one of that everyone isn't looking to one-up each other, Mm. but tell me the difference about being in such a high-performance environment where you're surrounded by so many people. As you mentioned, your friend Chris, I think. Even I personally saw a core shift, a core paradigm shift, take place in you after your, I think, first or at least one of the earlier trips you took to Dubai mm. um tell me about the difference of being subjected to an environment where everyone's subjected to abundance mm. versus being in Ireland
0: yeah look that's and, and that's that's a great question again uh, John because it's it's only when it's only when you start to question the reality that we're in right now And you start to go, there's more to me than this. And like, that's bullshit. And that's bullshit. And why is that like that? And then when you start to unfold, and then you start to go to the likes of Dubai, and you see all of these people that have progressed, and then you start talking to them, um, because 85% of of people that are there are are expats of some description from wherever. Um, And they're all on the same page. And it's just like, I'm not, you know, I I wasn't I wasn't going mad. This is right, and and no one, if you if you went out there and you said to someone, yeah, so I'm going setting up um, this uh, eight figure um, company and it's going to do this and we're looking to get to nine figures and we're going to do this, like no one wouldn't say dream on by dream, <laughs> you know, dream on and like uh, what 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 if that doesn't work? What are you going to fall back on? That just there. There's none of that. So it's limitless. There's no ceiling on people's um, abilities of themselves out there. People go out there to soak up the environmental feeling of, of abundance and it isn't greed don't get like people need to realize that see there's so many people comment on dubai that have never been there it's amazing people have a fucking opinion on dubai and the middle east and they haven't been there some people have gone there and they don't like it and they've had bad experiences fair enough right it isn't paradise for everyone and i'm not saying it's paradise for me but what i am saying it's a good fit for where i am in my life right now and i like it and if someone doesn't like it then they shouldn't shit on my belief system either because you know see after your own side of things but going there there's no heaviness that's i I, it's the only way i can describe it when i'm there i don't feel a weight and i don't feel a i guess a a a limit of 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 you know i can't say this or i can't look a certain way or you know and whenever i come back and i mean i always go really dark when i go into the sun and my comeback is the people looking at you going sure man. Or well, you're on the sunbeds again or you're getting the, if, if a fake tan is it and it's just like fuck off like you know and if you go oh you're black and i just reply back to that no stopping fucking racist like i can't help the fucking color i go like <laughs> you know and if i was black then like you know then then that would be racist but like so i'm a straight white male so uh, where well, you can shit on me and say stuff like that is it but no, but like you, you get my point. It's fucking, it's it's bullshit. It's bullshit. Like I'm sick of it. People wouldn't say that in Dubai. They wouldn't come up and go, "Oh, you're you're Christ, you're black in a week," or you know, "Who do you think you are?" Or "What are you wearing that for?" Or oh, "You're wearing a cut off." There
1: is not constantly people trying to uh, pull you back, pull you back for sake of pulling themselves up, yeah, making themselves, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, because yeah. everyone just feels good and everyone does have abundance. They don't. Everyone is living the yeah. life that they want to live. Yeah think we should leave it there
0: yeah we should leave it there we should leave it there we've heard more than enough of me going off on tangents now for one day for anyone
1: <laughs> in an episode to come i think good conversation mm. let's chat a bit more about ireland mm. what is becoming of ireland mm. the future of ireland and the future and opportunities in other countries
0: for sure and to give context on that right and just to, to to give anybody listening or watching this right i think we've lost 15 maybe members maybe more to emigration this year start of 2023 um three more going on in march uh i know a um of a a, a barber i was told has lost five clients overnight um five regulars to you know a, a small business is, is is a lot um because why the fuck would they stay here, and it's got so bad that even you're leaving, <laughs> which we'll touch on <laughs> on the next one so um all right guys, thanks for listening and watching or however you're consuming this um great one that this was a good unraveling of many different topics Jan so um thank you for 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 jumping in again, and uh we will hear your plans to of for exodus uh on the next one so until the next one guys thanks for watching and talk to you all soon